Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, Brain, for you, this was a worst case scenario. The Dolphins played like crap and won the game. Yeah, I would have liked them to play well and lose. But that's not what they did. They played like crap and won the game, really should have lost the game, uh, and really probably only got away with a win because Josh Allen has some accuracy problems. For all of the things that Josh Allen does really well, uh, he's he's got some accuracy issues. And, well, ultimately, Charles Clay really should have made that catch at the end of the game, and he didn't. wasn't a perfect pass, but it was close enough. Either way, Charles Clay, wide open in the end zone, drops the ball. Dolphins win. We're now 6-6. Six and six. And then, of course, a bunch of other teams in the playoff race for that wild card spot lost as well on Sunday. So now there are four teams sitting at 6-6 six and six in the seven spot just outside the playoffs. And the Dolphins are at the top of that list. So now we've got to listen to all these takes about how the Dolphins are right in the thick of the playoff race. And I just, I don't know. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. This team is, this team is not good. The, the only reason this team is six and six is that the defense has, despite all of its flaws, it has managed to force a lot of turnovers and the special teams has been pretty good. Uh, you know, so the Dolphins, I think, are in the top five, uh, average starting field position in the NFL. Uh, special teams has helped with that a little bit. But, uh, I mean, regardless, this Dolphins team at 6-6 six and six is not good. And the fact that they're in the thick of the playoff race says more about just how top-heavy the AFC is uh, than it does about what a great team this Dolphins This is... This is this was certainly not a lot of good football that we were subjected to on Sunday. In fact, I would say it was the second straight week that the Dolphins opened up with a pretty good opening drive and then from there looked terrible the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, they they had their moments and and just the same way they had their moments against Indianapolis. It's just this offense has no flow to it. It has no consistency because they have no consistency at the starting quarterback position. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, like, you know, they're not a great running team. They have stretches where they run the ball well, but they're not a team that can run the ball consistently well when the other team knows that they want to run. They run the ball well when the other team thinks they're going to pass. They run the ball well on first down. And when the other team is in their base defense or in a nickel, uh, they don't run the ball well uh, at the end of games when the other team knows that they're trying to put the game away by running the ball. And so you need to have consistent quarterback play uh, to really be a consistently great offense. It's just not something that they have. Uh, They don't have a great offensive line. Um, and that's certainly 
you know, makes things more difficult on Ryan Tannehill in the passing game. And Tannehill was solid. He was very Ryan Tannehill-esque in this game. Uh, there were a couple of bad throws, uh, a couple of questionable decisions. But by and large, he made all the throws that he needed to make and didn't make a ton of huge mistakes. And that's essentially, that's that's what the Dolphins are looking for out of Ryan Tannehill. But that's not the guy with all of these special talents that is a franchise quarterback that is worth uh, franchise quarterback money. And look, it's the same team, win or lose, it's the same team. They, they could have lost that game and they'd be the same team. They could be five and seven. They'd be the same team. They could, it doesn't matter whether they make the playoffs or not. At this point, all they are doing is prolonging the inevitable, which is a season that's not going to end with any kind of significant victory or step forward. Yeah, it's, it's, they're just sort of treading water here. And, you know, it's that Jason Laser tweet that I read out on the last episode of the show. It's, this is the part of the season where everything goes the way you need it to. If you're a Dolphin fan for the Dolphins to stay right, just right there, right in that playoff spot, right? One game out of the playoffs. And that's sort of where we're going to hang, um, for a little bit. Although I, I, my my personal feeling is that that probably we can put all this talk to bed for good after the Dolphins lose to the Patriots coming up this this week, and we'll talk about that on on the next episode of the show. Um, but yeah, I I think you're talking about a Miami Dolphins team that's just sort of just sort of treading water and just sort of running out the rest of the season here. They've got four games left here, and. Quite frankly, I it's it, it's really reached that point of the season where I just can't wait to get to the end of it because it's it's tough to it's tough to watch and and I'm a diehard Dolphin fan, but it's just these are, this is not a fun team to watch. It is it is really when you look at the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs of and granted these are the best teams in the NFL but like when you look at these teams they're, they're, it's exciting to watch heck i this this Monday night football game that's happening as we're recording now between Philadelphia and Washington is not a particularly good game but that is much more interesting to watch than a Dolphins game so anyway it's it's kind of tough and yes there does still exist a world in which the Dolphins can end up in the playoffs i just I find it very, very hard to believe that the Dolphins are going to win one of the two really difficult games they have left on their schedule, let alone both of them, and then let alone also winning two games that they really should win against Jacksonville and Buffalo, uh, in Buffalo. I just, I just have a hard time imagining the Dolphins coming up with a big finish to the season. But anyway, let's, let's stick with this game against Buffalo. We we got to talk about it. It's the recap show. It's probably going to be a quick show here, but let's talk about it. We'll start with the negatives. Uh, the biggest negative I think you have to take away from this game is really that this Dolphins team still just can't seem to get a handle on a mobile quarterback because Josh Allen ran the ball nine times for 135 yards. That's an average of 15 yards a carry. For the Buffalo rookie quarterback. Yeah, and and it's just, 
I mean, the linebacker, the linebackers are, you know, get out of position. It's almost like they did no film study to know that Josh Allen was a dangerous runner and they did not account for Josh Allen running, even though that was, it's really, it's one of the only ways that the bills have produced offense. Can I, can I ask you, can I ask you who would have been responsible for making sure the dolphins did some film study on that? Yeah, well, whether it's film study or game planning, that would be your defensive coordinator. That would be Matt Burke. You know, there was no accounting. So we're for saying him. that there he's still. No, we're saying that Matt Burke is still trash. I mean, they did hold him to seventeen points, but yes, okay, yeah. okay, all, all right, yes. fine. Go get, get continue. Yeah, I just, but I don't even think that that was I like as bad as the the defense was, and I mean they were let off the hook by by a couple of missed opportunities by the bills uh just uh a mit, you know the missed guy in the end zone what was that early in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter when Josh Allen had a guy wide open in the end zone and and missed him uh and then obviously the last play uh, the, the Bills ran from scrimmage on offense where where Charles Clay is wide, somehow wide open in the end zone and the ball is underthrown and, and Clay can't come up with the catch that would have ultimately won the game for Buffalo. Uh, the Dolphins basically let off the hook there. I don't even think that the defense was the, was the downside of this game. I thought in spite of 21 points, in spite of Ryan Tannehill throwing three touchdown passes, we're looking at a game where the Dolphins amassed 175 yards of total offense in this game. Is that bad? It's horrific. And three and a half yards per play. Uh, it's just it, this offense is not very good. It has no flows. It has no flow. The the now, I will say that they had a couple of, you know, they had some big plays in this game, a couple of chunk plays that made the big difference. But really, the biggest difference in this game was Buffalo penalties. The Dolphins getting all of those yards on Buffalo. Buffalo was penalized 13 times for 120 yards. That was really the biggest difference in the game was the drives that were kept alive and the the yardage that the Dolphins were able to get going downfield on Buffalo penalty. That, that's how they won this game. And then the touchdown pass that ultimately put the Dolphins ahead and that ultimately ends up being the game winner, a pass where Ryan Tannehill basically throws it into double coverage and the ball probably should be picked, but the defensive back mistimes his jump and to Kenny Stills' credit, he does not miss time as jump, and he high points the ball, and he makes a great play on it and, and scores the touchdown. And, you know, you got some people saying, hey, great throw by Tannehill, and hey, look, it's going to go in the books as, as a touchdown pass. It's going to go in the books as him throwing three touchdowns to only one interception. But that should have been picked. And, 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 and yet – we're going to sit here and we're going to play the result and we're going to say, look, the Dolphins won the game. They did what they needed to do to win a must-win game. And that's all well and good. But what what does it get them? 
in the long run, really, what does it get them? And I know you're going to have your people that, hey, the object is, is to win the game. You win every game that you that you go out there. That's what you're that's what you're doing. You're not a real fan if you're not rooting for your team to win the game. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm tired of seeing this team go seven and nine and eight and eight every single year. And so as a fan, I try to find what's the way out of that. And it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have faith in the front office, because if I had faith in the front office, then I would root for the Dolphins to make the playoffs and know that the front office would have the perspective to look at it and say, hey, we made the playoffs, but we're still not anywhere close. But I have no faith in this front office. I have all the faith in the world. That the Dolphins, if they somehow manage to get into the playoffs, that these guys in the front office are going to look at it and they're going to go, hey, we made the playoffs. We're only a couple of pieces away from being a Super Bowl team. And then they're going to go out. They're going to reshape the roster. They're going to shave out. They're going to release a couple guys. They'll release TJ McDonald. They'll release Andre Branch. They'll probably bring back Tannehill at that point if they make the playoffs, but they'll release Kiko Alonso and then they'll say, hey, we've got all this cap room. Let's go out and get Le'Veon Bell and Geno Adkins and let's sign these, them to these huge contracts, make these big splashes. And then you know what? We're going to go eight and eight again next year. And then we're going to be in salary cap hell again in two years. We're going to be stuck with Ryan Tannehill as our quarterback and we're going to be going nowhere. That is why I don't want this team to win games because I have no faith that the front office can look at this objectively and say, regardless of whether we win or lose these games against Buffalo and Jacksonville, we are nowhere near being the kind of team that we need to be to compete for a Super Bowl title. What else? What were some other bad things in this game for you, Brain? Bad things in this game. Bad things. Bad things. I mean, offensive line is pretty bad. Ted Larson. Ted Larson, Jesse Davis. These guys were just horrendous in this game. These guys are bad, but, uh, you know, the offensive line is what it is. I mean, it's a patchwork offensive line. They've dealt with injuries. Uh, The hope was that one of these guys, whether it was Jesse Davis or Ted Larson, one of these guys would be a starting caliber guard. Because you 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 know were relying on having Josh sitting on the other side, you were hoping that you'd have a center. Uh, obviously, uh, you know that plan did not pan out. Uh, you know this this season, uh, the the guy who who they brought in, who was the starter uh, for the you know that they were replacing Pouncey with, his name is escaping me right now. Who's been hurt? Kilgore. He, you know, he, yeah, Kilgore. He. He didn't do the job even when he was healthy, and now that he's out, uh, you've got, you know, whether it's Brendel or Swanson, I mean, these guys are not good. The the interior of that offensive line is bad, and it's it's patchwork, and it's it's made with a whole bunch of backups, and you would hope that one of those guys could step up and be a starting caliber player, and it really just hasn't happened. Uh, But that said... We've gotten pretty decent play out of our tackles. I mean, Laramie Tunsil has been he, – he's probably having a Pro Bowl year. Uh, and then Juwan James is quietly having a really nice year as a right tackle. Now, he, he's not like an elite tackle by any stretch, 
But as far as right tackles go, as far as being a second tackle, he's really having a solid season. And I think he's making a case for, uh, for being given a decent contract extension. And given the, the problems that the Dolphins have along the interior of the offensive line, I really think at this point, he, he's probably worth keeping and probably worth extending because you don't, you probably don't need to give him a massive contract. You could probably give him like a, like a three year deal worth somewhere around like $21 million or, or something, something along those lines. And you've got yourself a starting, a decent starting right tackle, and then all you've got to do is, is fix the interior of the line. You probably are going to get sitting back next year, and you hope he's going to be healthy. And if you can draft yourself a center, you know, if you can find yourself a center, whether that's in the draft or, or through free agency, that's that's an upgrade. Then your offensive line probably isn't that bad next year. It, it's not that, I mean, you, you've always got to be drafting guys on the offensive line, but you know, th- there's a way out of it. I think at the offensive line that isn't super costly. And so uh, as much as the offensive line has struggled this year, I've actually, you know, I've seen worse <laughs> and, and that goes to say that says something, you know, with all the injuries that this Dolphins offensive line has had this year, we've seen worse Dolphins offensive lines. We've seen Dolphins offensive lines that can't block at all where Tannehill's getting sacked six times a game. Uh, and that really hasn't been the case. This Fair enough. Uh, let's see what else was was awful in this game. Some other negatives, uh, some more just vintage Adam Gase, bad play calling. In this game, uh, on a, with a third and one situation, chance to p- pretty much put the game away uh, late in the game. Third and one, and you go into the Wildcat. Look, uh, look, look. They ran the Wildcat one time earlier in the game, and they gained nine yards. Yes, but when you when it's an obvious running situation on third and one, and you have not shown any propensity to throw the ball out of the Wildcat, I mean, listen, the 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 guy who was on Devontae Parker on that play cheated up very early on, well before the snap was taken. I mean, if you've got your You've you've got to be able to be aware of that situation and and make something happen. But you're calling a straight run and you've got the ball going to Kalen Balaj in the backfield. I, I just I don't like it when all you need is one yard. Put a big unit in there. Put your your big quarterback oh, big units. Put your big unit in there. Put your put your quarterback under center and get that yard. Getting Randy Johnson in there. That's right. Put Randy Johnson in the game. And get that yard. You know, that's, here's the problem. The, the, my problem is not. It's just it's, it's just another it's not, example it's of it's, it's getting the, cute. It's, it's so getting much. cute when you don't need to yeah. get cute. It, well, we have no evidence that any call that they would have called would have worked. <laughs> because knowing this team, whatever they called, it wouldn't have worked. And we'd criticizing them because at the end of the day, it comes down to execution. And. I, I don't necessarily have the problem with it. My problem is that it's just for the second week in a row, you've got a chance to put the game away with with your offense 
and and you're 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 playing to to try to do what's unexpected and it's just at some point you've just got to line up and say we're going to do what we do best and there are very few things that work that the that the dolphins do better than when they need 2 or 3 yards to just hand the ball off to Frank Gore because Frank Gore is going to find that hole. There, there's probably nothing that the that anybody on the Dolphins does better than Frank Gore finding a hole in the A gap between the center and the guard and picking up two or three yards when there seems like there's nothing there. And when it's third and one, that's what I would like to see. And if you want to get cute, well, how about putting the game in the hands of your quarterback that you still insist? Right. He's a special talent. This is and this is becoming a pattern the, now. You're not putting the game in your quarterback's hands. You're not putting the game in Frank Gore's hands. You're not putting the 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 game in the hands of your best playmaker, which is Kenyon Drake. You're putting the the game in the hands of a rookie running back making what his his like thirteenth carry of the season. This is this is Adam Gase. This is what no, he does. I'm sorry. His eighth carry of the season. Yeah, good. It's a great, great call. Great call. Offensive guru Adam Gase. Really, he's he's a guy who really knows how to call plays on offense. It's really it's infuriating, is what it is. So I we got to move on to the positives. I can't. I don't. I don't want to talk about the negatives anymore. Let's let's move on. The biggest positive in this game is that Xavier Howard is clearly the best cornerback in the National Football League. Oh come on! No, he is. Not. He is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He leads the NFL I mean, with seven he interceptions. He got roasted, and he almost got beat for what would have been what, like a sixty or seventy yard touchdown in this game. Listen, he didn't though. Oh, he did. He did. Uh, and the ball was overthrown. That I mean, he was doesn't count. By incomplete like three pass. Yards. Incomplete pass doesn't show up in the stats. Didn't happen. He's very good. We got to pay the man. He's downright elite. But gotta he's pay not the, man. the best. He's not the okay. Fine, you got to pay him. But let's not let let's not exaggerate and make him the highest paid corner in the league. And then two years down the road, we're we're saying. Why the hell did we pay Xavier Howard to be the the highest? Why did we pay him Darrell Revis money? That's what we he's do. Not Darrell Revis. That's what we do. Yeah, he's not. He's not a sh- okay. You get maybe he's not a sh- complete shutdown corner yet, but he's he getting is closer. A very very good corner. He's fantastic. Who has has contained some very good receivers, and when he has gone up against lesser talented receivers has shut them down, but he has had his moments where he's been beat. One thing I will say is that more so than many of the Dolphins corner, probably any Dolphins cornerback since probably Sam Madison and Pat Sertan, he plays the ball extremely well. Uh, And he, he takes advantage of the opposing team making mistakes uh, and by making interceptions. He makes them pay. But I'll also say that uh, he's getting a lot of these interceptions late in the first half on on plays where where quarterbacks are getting uh, you know taking calculated risks and throwing the ball down the field, and that's fine. Like you're still making the play, but 
like, come on, put it in perspective. Look at the impact that he's making on the on the entirety of the game. He is a very good defensive back, a very good corner, clearly our best corner, and clearly a Pro Bowl talent guy, and clearly a guy to build the defense around. But let's not go overboard. Matt Hawk is pretty good. Matt Hawk is a great punter. Listen, if you're going to talk about positives for the Dolphins, you're almost always going to talk about their punter. We've had some great punters over the years, going back to the to Brandon Fields. One of them was playing for the Bills today. Was the punter for the Bills? Dar. Oh, that's right. Matt Dar. Well, he's he's no Matt Hawk and he's no Brandon Fields, but he's, he's no, our. He's no Reggie. Well, few are. Nobody. Nobody is. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of nice, kind of nice to have uh, punter putting a ball inside the 20, you know, fairly regularly like Hawk does. It's great. Helps the Dolphins. I mean, as we mentioned, it, the the Dolphins special teams is probably the best unit on the entire team. Without question. I mean, it's it's the it's the best and most consistent unit on the team. Yeah, so that's a good thing. They almost blocked a punt in this game. They, they should have blocked a punt. Yeah, they really – well, they did. It just – they didn't block it all the way. Um, I thought Devontae Parker had himself an okay game. Maybe, Solid. Let the team in, receive, in, in receiving yards. Had four, he had four receptions for 43 yards on seven targets, uh, including a, a pretty athletic touchdown reception. And it was like you, you see it. Yeah. You see Go ahead. It's, it's, this, is, this is the thing that Devontae Parker does. Every now and again, he shows up and does what – you always wanted him to do. The problem now, can is you, the problem is that he'll have zero receptions next week against New England. Well, can you blame Devontae Parker if the ball's not getting thrown to him or if when it's thrown to him, it's inaccurate? Because, look, I'll be the first to get on Devontae Parker for a lot of his play last year when Jay Cutler was throwing the ball to him and he was giving up on the play and you know allowing defensive backs to get interceptions because he wasn't trying but have we really seen that this year because it looks like to me when they are targeting him he's making plays when the ball when there are plays to be made I think he is quietly doing a very nice job and I think he is a I think he's a fascinating story coming down the stretch of the season because this is a guy that most Dolphin fans were done with, and many still are. And at, at one point, it looked like the organization was done with him. You had that whole deal happen with his agent. Then you had the game where it was the showcase Devontae Parker game, and he went off, and you thought, oh, for sure. We're going to trade him now. And the Dolphins didn't trade him in spite of reports and rumors that they got offers and he's, he's due like $9 million next year. I think they may be bringing him back next year. Well, that I really do. Me. And that I don't, wouldn't surprise I don't think, me at this point. I don't think it's a bad idea if you can afford him. Like if, if you're going to have all this cap space, and you've got a guy of his potential, and he finishes the season strong, I mean, just let it play out. Like, why are you going to just cut off your nose to spite your face? Because if you cut him, what, you're going into next year with, with Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, and Danny Amendola, who are all nice pieces. 
but none of them have really that potential of being that real number one receiver. And I know Albert Wilson flashed and he makes big plays. And I love, I'd love to get Albert Wilson healthy next year, which by the way, that's not a a given, given the injury that he had, there is no guarantee that you're going to get Albert Wilson playing at exactly at the exact same level that he was earlier this year. But even if you do, I think that's a guy that, you know, he's a big play guy. He's a gimmicky guy. He's a nice weapon to have on your team, but he's not a guy that you're going to target 10 to 12 times a game. That's going to put up number one receiver numbers. The only guy on this roster currently that has that ability is Devonte Parker. And if he's showing the ability to be consistent and be out there every week, uh, you know, play. I mean, let, let's not forget that a couple weeks ago in the Green Bay game, he went down with an injury. And, you know, many people said, oh, well, you know, this guy, there, there goes Devontae Parker. We're not going to see him again. But he came back. He played against Indianapolis. And then here he's back again. And so I think we're seeing some growth in him. And I think it's time to give him a little bit of credit. I'm not ready to, like, you know, scream from the roof tops that we've got a number one receiver, but I think he deserves a little bit of credit and he's a guy that's been really beat up by the media and by fans and by this organization and by us. Uh, yeah. And by us, but the guy deserves a little bit of credit. And, and at this point, if he, if he just keeps doing what he's doing, I think he's earned himself a roster spot next year. And he's earned himself those $9 million. Now, should should they pay him $9 million? Is he really worth $9 million? I don't know. But that's what his contract is. I wouldn't necessarily release him, you know, if you can afford him anyway. Let's see how he finishes the season first before we uh, jump to those at Devontae Parker. Any other positives you want to talk about from this game against Buffalo? Uh, I thought Kenyon Drake looked good again. He sure did. I think we're getting – I think we're at the – like I I talk about it every week where – you know, I say, you know, as, as much as I love Frank Gore uh, and I love his ability to get, you know, something out of nothing and I love his consistency uh, that he's always churning, you know, you know, he's always getting positive yards. You know, the, the fact remains that there are just runs that Kenyon Drake makes that, you know, when Kenyon Drake hits a hole and he gains 20 yards. If Frank Gore did that same run, it'd be an eight-yard game because he just doesn't have that explosiveness. And at some point, you just gotta you gotta turn the reins over to this guy, and and you just gotta give him enough opportunities because for you know Kenyon Drake four point four yards a carry, a couple of receptions, and a touchdown. It you know the, the guy only got nine touches. He got nine touches. He turned it into forty-four yards and a touchdown. What happens if you give him 20 touches? I think if you give him 20 touches, you're looking at, you know, maybe 100, 100, 120 yards. And that kind of production, you're just not going to get when you're splitting time between him and Frank Gore. And I love Frank Gore and he's got his role on this team. But as we're getting down to the end of the season now, I just think you got to find out, can Kenyon Drake be an every down back? Because... You're probably going to go into next year without Frank Gore, 
and you're going to have Kenyon Drake and you're going to have Kalen Balaj and you're going to be asking the question, is this a timeshare? Can Kenyon Drake be an every down back? And I would just like to know. I'd like to know that, that did he grow over the course of the year? Because obviously going into the year, you had the idea that that was what that's what he could be. Um and that it was going to be like a 75-25 split probably between him and, and and Frank Gore and that Kenyon Drake was going to get roughly 20 touches a game and that's simply not happening. Well, I, I want to see what this offense looks like if Kenyon Drake is getting 20 touches a game. Very good. I I, I have been enjoying Kenyon Drake. Uh, he continues to do have that big play explosiveness. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd like to see him adjust and become a bit more of a north-south guy at times when when it's necessary. Um, other positives for you in this game, Brain? Or are we out of here? Yeah, I mean, look, the yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, Cameron Wake looks good. Robert Quinn had a had a sack. That was nice. Yeah, you that's know. that was a, a very exciting moment. He actually yeah, made I, contact with a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, the the, the team didn't play terribly in this game, but they didn't necessarily play good. They just looked like this was two bad teams and the Bills made more mistakes to lose the game than the Dolphins did. Yes, that's and exactly that's- right. And so the question that we asked in our preview show was, "All the are the Dolphins better than the Bills? The correct answer is, for now, a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> a little bit. Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. I am now an associate editor on DolphinsTalk.com. Yay! So, Look know, at this guy. You can find me proofreading Moving articles. up in the world. Putting them out on there into the into the world of the internet. It's all very exciting. So make sure you follow uh, follow me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. Make sure you're following the show at Same Old Dolphins. And make sure you're checking out DolphinsTalk.com every day. Your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Of course, we're on Apple Podcasts where we invite you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin show. And of course, we're on SoundCloud as well. So we hope that you will uh, follow us over there. And uh, coming up soon, I hope uh, we're going to be on some other uh, services as well. So you can, you can have access to the pod in more places. We'll be back later this week to preview what is almost sure to be another Miami Dolphins loss as they uh, take on the New England Patriots at home. We'll get into the specifics of it later on this week, but in the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!